this morning. We welcome everyone again. This is a good crowd of folks, a good number of visitors, and we do appreciate your being here with us today. We're going to have lunch together today. That's been on our flyers and everything. We hope you already know about that, but we do hope you'll stay. It's provided for you. Visitors, we want you to come, and we'll go downstairs after the worship here in just a few minutes. We're going to have some barbecue and fixings, and it's going to be good, fixed by Brother Warren, Mr. Warren, who's here with us today, a member of the Columbiana Church, and they've uh, prepared barbecue for us all, and we're looking forward to that. We'll go downstairs uh, again just uh, right after the worship is over and enjoy that together. Uh, looking forward to that. You know, this, these decorations, in fact, it reminds me, I had several people ask me if I was going to preach from right there, hot air balloon. <laughs> I got into there and looked, and I don't think it would hold me up, I'm afraid. So I'm going to stay right here through the course of the sermon. Uh, but this is, you know, this, this theme this week has been about the greatest story ever told, all the places we'll go, and looking at the various portions of the Bible that, that tell the story. And, and I love that theme because I think that's what we need to be doing in churches. We need to be talking to people about the story, this greatest story ever, ever told. We all have a story. We all have a story. Uh, you know, and I think this is one of the most important things that we can even talk about. And, and so I don't, I, we got people all over the spectrum here spiritually, I'm sure, you know, different backgrounds and all, and we're glad of that. We all have a way of looking at the world, of making sense of things, of interpreting the bad stuff, of thinking about good things. This sometimes called a worldview, you know, the way we view the world, the, the, the lens through which we see events and by which we gauge value and according to which we set our priorities. We've got a worldview, a way of interpreting the story of our lives. And it's a really important thing to think about because it changes everything. I mean, the, the, the worldview that you have, that I have, changes everything about the way we live life. And I don't know if you've ever thought about worldview before, but it's something that I think we, we all do, even though we don't know that we're doing it. There's a Chinese proverb that says, if you want to know what water is, don't ask the fish. And, and I think probably what they mean by that is that we are so immersed in our environment that sometimes, maybe, maybe never, we, do we ask this question of, about what is this world we live in and what, really what, what makes it work and, and how do we determine what we're going to do, what's going what's to chart the course of our lives. You know, we, we may not even ask those, those questions. But a worldview is this. I like this definition. It's not original with me, but, but, I think I, but I think I agree with this. Your worldview is the story you believe about who you are, about why things are the way things are, and what really matters in life. Again, listen to that. Your worldview is the story you believe about who you are, about why things are the way they are, and about what really matters in life. In other words, you may, you may put it this way. Questions about human identity. Like, what makes us who we are? Who, who are we? What makes us human? Where do we come from? How did we get here? Questions about human identity. Second, questions about, human about the human condition. Why are we here? How should we live? Who decides what's right and wrong? Questions about our, our condition. The third one is questions about human destiny. What gives us meaning and purpose and direction? Where are we going? So who are we? Why are we here? And where are we going? Those three important questions. 
I'm going to go to Ephesians 2, but the reason I do that is because I want you to think, first of all, about some stuff that goes wrong in the world. You know, when you think about the world, and your worldview helps us think about this, things are, things are bad in some ways. I mean, you, you probably don't need me to tell you that, but there, there are things that have gone wrong in the world, right? Things that have gone wrong. And you, you turn on the news, you, you, you know, I don't know how you get your news, if you get it the old-fashioned way of reading a newspaper, or if you get it through your email inbox every morning, or if you have a specific site you go to on the internet and you, you read your news. But some way you hear about things that are going on in the world, right? Maybe you get through social media, whatever. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. I mean, there's, there's bad stuff going on in the world. There's, there's conflict. There's always conflict. You know, there are natural disasters. People are hurting. You've got things, things happening in our own country that are disturbing. There's division in our country along various lines. And, and you can, as, as a human being, as a citizen of the world, you know, you can kind of get discouraged by that and think, this isn't the way I want it to be. I wish things would be better. But how you think about that is according to your worldview. You know, how did things get to be so bad? I mean, the bad things that are in the world, what caused them to be that way? What would fix those things? Where's this world going? And I think that there are really two broad ways in the Western world, at least specifically in our country. There are more ways than this, but there are two big ways that most people interpret the events of life, you know. A lot of people in our world that look at the things in the world from a, you can, It's called different things, like a naturalistic or a secular worldview. And that is that we're just here by chance. You know, that, uh, man, this this universe is is billions of years old, and it started through, you know, these these mechanisms, these these processes, a a big bang, there's increasing order, chaos, whatever. This this just, just happened over billions and billions and billions of years this unguided there's no deity involved it's just the way it is because of natural selection this darwinian way of interpreting the world and so you can look at the world through that lens and it's going to interpret a lot of things and it's going to change a lot of things how did things get to be so bad well we live in a violent world and it's a you know survival of the fittest and and the strong are going to take advantage of the weak you know that that darwinian way of looking at the world so that is one way what's going to fix it well if if you look at it from the naturalistic worldview then you're going to fix it maybe by, by we can spend more money on social programs. Uh, we can try to educate people more. We can, I don't know, you know, change the way people think. And we can have better laws. We can enforce the laws better. We can elect the right people, get the right people on the court. We can, we can get policy right, you know, lots of, lots of things. So if, if we're looking at it through this kind of naturalistic lens, then we're going to have these answers that, we think are going to fix things, you know. Second kind of worldview in, in our country especially is what we'd call a Christian worldview, our Judeo-Christian worldview. And that is that we look at the things in the world through this lens. We believe that we're not the product of unguided natural selection that happened over billions and billions of years, but rather we are the product of a divine mind who created us in his own image. He put us here with a purpose. He has a plan for us to live. He's got a future for us. He's got this direction he wants us to, to, to go in. You know, that, that's a Christian lens. So we look at the bad things in the world and we say, well, at least one of the main reasons why we have bad things in the world is because we have gone wrong. We have violated the intention of our creator. Now, Something's wrong. I think everybody agrees with that. Look at Ephesians 2, if you would. If you got it, I'll, I'll read it to you. So if you don't 
have a Bible there. It's okay. Just listen to what, what I read here from the Apostle Paul. This is one of the early followers of Jesus and very influential in what he did. But he, but he writes this. He says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is very much of a Christian worldview that Paul is expressing here. He, I don't know if he would have called it that, but this is a way that he looked at the world. And it's a, it's a view that says we are created by God and we messed this up. Now, it was Friday night in VBS that our classes studied this idea. Bible calls it, or we call it, the fall. It's Genesis 3, way back in the beginning. We studied creation in, on Thursday night, Genesis 1 and 2, and that is that God created everything to be good. He saw the light and it was good, and he, he put the ocean out there, and he put the fish and, in the ocean, and he put the birds in the sky, and he put animals on the land, and he created Adam and Eve, and it was all good. God said it's good. That's Genesis 1 and 2. Everything is good. But Genesis 3 happened. And what happened in Genesis 3 is that we chose poorly. God put us here, but he put us here with free will. He made everything that we needed. He put us in this beautiful environment, and he said, you can live with prosperity, and you can be blessed. But he did put one prohibition. Don't eat of that one specific tree in the middle of the garden. Of course, Adam and Eve ate of that tree. And that's a story that we find in the Bible, but it's the story of every one of us. We've all made that same choice. That's what Paul's talking about here in first three verses of Ephesians 2 when he says that we are by nature children of wrath. We all make the same choice. Why are things wrong in the world? Well, you know what? One reason, one reason why things go wrong in the world sometimes? Because of me? You know another reason why some things go wrong in the world? Because of you. Because you and I are a lot alike. And we're a lot alike the rest of the people in this room. And, and a lot like the rest of the people in the world. We make bad choices. And things happen as a result of that. We are by nature the children of wrath as everybody else is. We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat that Adam and Eve were in. And so a Christian worldview is going to say this. It's going to say, you know why bad things happen? You know why nations go to war against other nations? You know why there's racism and why there's murder and violence and child abuse and abortion? And You know why there are bad things in the world? It's because people walk away from what God intended for us to be. It's because we don't live up to that divine mandate, that divine direction that he gave us, that course. We, we decide like Adam and Eve did. I want to do things my own way, God. I don't care about you so much. I want to be my own God. That's what the serpent told Adam and Eve, uh, told Eve, by the way. He said, if you eat that fruit, you'll become like gods. That's what we want. You want to be God? Say, say yes, because you do. To an extent, you want to be God. You want to be your own God. Maybe you don't want to be everybody else's God, but you want to be your own. You want to be the one who says, you know, I want to do this. I'm going to do it. 
I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do it. You want to be your own God. I want to, I want to, I want to, be, I want to ter- determine my own truth. I want, to, I want to determine my own right and my own wrong. I want to do things the way I want to do them. That's Adam and Eve. That's what Adam and Eve did. That's what people do today. That's what you and I have done. And that's why things go badly in the world. That's the Christian worldview of the fall and its consequences in the, in the world that are, are, are ever-present and they, they go on and on and on. That's, that's part of the answer to this issue. That's why we as Christians believe that things aren't going to be fixed by getting the right people in office. That doesn't mean we don't care about it. It doesn't mean it's not a concern. It just means we know that Washington, D.C. or London or North Korea or whatever, Middle East, we know that getting the right people there, that's not going to fix it all. That, that pouring money into problems is not going to fix those problems because it may help some superficially, but it's not going to fix them. Why? Because that's not the root problem. The root problem is people are out of fellowship with the one who created them. And so something is wrong, but we may disagree about what the answer is. But I, I, I think, depending on where you, where you are you know, in your spiritual journey this morning, I think everybody in this room would agree that that something's wrong in the world. We may have a different way of looking at what the cause is, but I, but I hope that maybe you'll start to think a little bit more about recognizing that it's more than just a social problem. It's more than just a political problem or a problem that as a result of evolution, it's a problem with, with us. There's something wrong, not just out there, but there's something wrong in you and me. And I think we kind of intuitively know that, that I'm not what I ought to be, you know? Okay, something's wrong. Look at, look at verse 4, though. Man, I love verse 4. Because verses 1 through 3, and if I stopped at this point in the sermon, you know, it'd, be, uh, it'd be pretty depressing. You know, like all he did today, the preacher, all he did today was he got up there and told us things were bad. I already knew that before I got there, you know. I already knew that the world's a messed up place, and that's all he did. Well, obviously, we're not going to stop right there. We're going to go to verse 4, because verse 4 says, does your Bible Bible say this at the very first part of verse 4? But God, but God, this is a Christian way of looking at things. What's the reason that things don't go the way they ought to go in my life and in your life and in the world? What's the reason? Well, verses 1 through 3 say something's wrong, and that thing that's wrong is we are in our sins. The world doesn't like that. You know, I know a lot of folks don't like that word sin, but I think maybe intuitively we do know that there's something right and there's something wrong and that there's this standard out there that when we violate that standard, we sin, we trespass, we do wrong. God says that's the reason things go go badly but he says this in verse 4 God did not let uh, he didn't just step back and say well what you know you made your bed you're gonna you're gonna lie in it now I'm done with you I'm sick of you gave you a perfect I gave you Eden the garden of Eden I made everything that you needed and you messed up so you know tough luck he didn't do that but God but God Look at this beautiful description of God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, 
Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That description of him is is, is awesome, isn't it? He's rich in mercy. He's got this great love. He is, um, he's a God of grace, verse 5. He is, he's got the, the immeasurable riches of his grace, verse 7. He is a God of kindness, verse 7. And all this is expressed to us in Christ Jesus. And so as the story continues, the greatest story ever told, everything is good, that's Thursday night. But things went badly, that's Friday night. Yesterday, God came to us in Jesus Christ. Today, I want you to see that what God did in Jesus Christ is he gave himself. It's not just about the life of Christ, though that's important. It is that Jesus died in our place. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the gospel story. This is what God has done. Things were good, but they went badly. But God comes to us because of his mercy, his grace, his kindness, and his love. And he expresses that to us in Jesus Christ, in his life, in his teachings, but especially and in, in, a, in an ultimate kind of way in the cross. When they took Jesus, who never sinned, and they arrested him and punched him and beat him, slapped him, mocked him, spat on him, made fun of him. And ultimately, they crucified him. That was God in a human body. That was the God-man. That was Jesus. And they killed him on the cross. He was innocent, and yet... He was treated as if he was guilty. He died even though he had done nothing to deserve death so that you and I might live. The beauty of the cross is that that is the expression of the love, kindness, mercy, and grace of God who created us. This is the greatest story ever told because as a result of our following in the footsteps of Adam and Eve, we deserve to be separated from God. But God, but God, but God who is rich in mercy stepped in and said, I do not want you, my creation, to be separated from me. So the biblical story is that God has gone to every great length to bring us back to him, to draw us back into his presence. But God, things are bad in the world in some respects because of choices that the world has made. We're not walking in divine harmony, you know. But God, he expressed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's in Romans 5 and verse 8. That's how God demonstrated his love for us. That is the culmination of the, of the biblical story. This is the expression of the love of God. And, and that's why we wanted people to come back today because if, if you hear about the creation, that's great. You, you learn something about the power of God. I mean, you look at the earth and, 
and you think, this couldn't, I mean, surely there's some, something within us that says, this couldn't have just happened. Like, this couldn't, have, I don't care how much time you got, in some sort of an unguided way, this couldn't have just happened, right? There's something within us. That's why, in, in spite of the influence of, you know, uh, of the, our Darwinian kind of thought for the last 150 years, and in spite of that, still 90% of people in the world believe in some sort of a God, right? Why is that? I just think there's something in us that, that we just think, man, this couldn't have happened. It couldn't have just happened by chance, you know? There's something out there, someone out there, something. But if you heard that, you may believe in a higher power, maybe even believe that that higher power is, is really powerful and he made this world, you know? You may have some sort of appreciation for, for sin and trespass, and you recognize, man, I've messed up. I've done things that have been wrong. But if you don't know how God answers the question, you, you don't know the whole story. You may even know something about Jesus Christ, thinking, man, he was a great teacher. I love the Sermon on the Mount. I love the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto us. Uh, doing to you. I, I love what he said about judge not that you be not judged. I, I love what, you know, I, man, I heard some cool things about Jesus. I, I, I believe that he was a great teacher. That's not the whole story, though. The whole story is also this, that he died for you. And that on Sunday morning, that tomb in which they put his body was unoccupied. It was unoccupied showing that he has power over death. God has power over death and that he has answered this perennial problem of humanity. What am I going to do about my, my, my physical weakness, my inevitable end on this earth? We live, in a sense, in fear of our coming demise, don't we? God stepped in through Jesus Christ and the resurrection and said, I've got an answer to the tomb. I've got an answer to the grave. Death does not have the final say. I do. And God's I do is he's got a plan for us. And so the story actually doesn't stop at the death, burial, and resurrection. But it is a nod toward, it is a nod toward what God is ultimately going to do in the lives of all of his people. He's going to restore us to a kind of existence that we dream of but don't actually get to experience here. He's going to re restore us to his presence. And that's the good news of what God is doing in the world. I want to close today. Then the last part of this text, Paul says, verse 8, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In verses 8, 9, and 10, God says, our response to him is faith. God saves us by his grace through faith. It's not based on works, lest anybody should boast. You know, what that means is, maybe, maybe we need to hear this today, because I think sometimes there's a tendency um, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I'm not that messed up. There are people messed up, but I'm not really that messed up. I mean, a little bit messed up, but not big time messed up, you know? So we think, I'm, a, I'm probably okay. Here's the thing. We're all messed up. We're, we're all in the same boat. 
And there's no amount of good works that you and I can do to get back into God's good graces. It, it, you can't say enough prayers. You can't feed enough hungry kids. You can't, you, you can't do enough good things for the suffering. You, there's, there's, no, there's no amount of good works that you and I can do that we can earn our way back into God's good graces. That's why the text says, for by grace, through faith, not of works, our response to what God has done is faith. It is trust. And in the Bible, faith and trust always express themselves in obedience. So what we do in response to the story, the greatest story ever told, that we've talked about today, what we do is we trust that God is good, that God is, that Jesus is his son. We trust that Jesus is Lord and Savior we say to him, I want to turn my life over to you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I'm going to look at my successes and failures through that Christian lens. I'm going, to, I'm going to live my life as if there is a God. I'm going to live my life in view of the fact that God's got a future for me. That's what you say when you want to become a Christian. By faith, you trust in him. And that trust expresses itself. The Bible story is Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. We respond to that by dying and being buried and being resurrected. It's a beautiful thing. What that means is Jesus died and he was buried in the tomb and resurrected. We die to self. We say, Lord, I don't want to live my life anymore. I want to live the life you want for me. That's a death. That's saying, put that old person to death. I want to be new. We bury you in water, in baptism. The waters of baptism. You're raised up, resurrected, just as Jesus was. All your sins washed away by his grace and by his mercy. What a beautiful thing that is. And it could be today that there's someone here who wants to experience that, who wants to come to faith in Jesus Christ, put your hope and trust in him, and say, I want to live the life you created me to live. If you've got questions, anybody has questions about anything we say or do, or maybe you're just beginning your journey here, thinking about spiritual things, thinking about Jesus, maybe you've got some doubts or just questions that you, you want to ask, talk, talk to me or, or one of us. We'd love just to in a non-threatening kind of way, talk to you about what we believe God has done for us and what he wants to do for you. Uh, we'd love to have that opportunity. If you're ready to make a confession of faith, be baptized, we'd love for you to do that today. Um, it, it could be that you've been away from the Lord for some time, just gotten caught up in the world. It happens to a lot of folks, happens to all of us to an extent, doesn't it? But maybe you've been away from him and you want to come back to him today. Uh, we'll do anything we can to help you spiritually. And we do hope that God's story, God's story will be evident to you that you can sense God's call of inviting you into his story to view things from his perspective and through that lens of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're going to stand and sing a song. If you need anything from us spiritually, come down and let us talk to you. Let's stand and sing.